several years ago, um, I was out west. I, I used to go out to Wyoming with a group of guys uh, about once a year, and we would go uh, snowmobiling. Well, I would snowmobile. They would ski. I don't snow ski. By the way, let me pause. When I say I don't snow ski, that's not me telling you I would love to go snow skiing with you sometime. I don't. And the reason I don't is because I'm 6'6", I weigh 205. This, this body was not built for skiing. This body actually wasn't built for anything much but laying by the pool, okay? So, so I don't snow ski, but my friends did. And so we would go out there every year, and the elevation was a little bit different out there than it is in, in South Carolina. Like here, we're, what, 800 and something feet above sea level, and out there, it's a little different. Now, how many people, I'm just kind of curious, we'll do a poll in the room, how many people have ever had altitude sickness? You've ever had altitude sickness? Okay, w would you agree with me, I'm about to say, altitude sickness absolutely sucks, yes or no? Yes, it does. So I had a friend, um, and every year that he would go with us, he was in this group, he would get altitude sickness. And it was, it was so frustrating, because the first year I was his roommate, and about 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm laying in bed, and I hear him get up and go to the bathroom. And I was like, okay. And all of a sudden, I hear, I'm like, okay, demon-possessed or whatever. Like, I didn't know what was going on in that bathroom. But like a good friend should do, I pretended to sleep through the whole thing. And I just talked to him about it the next day. And he said, no, I said, he said, I think it was altitude sickness. So the next year we went, same thing. Next year we went, same thing. So we kind of did some research and talked to some doctors and figured out, like, we, we, had, we were shoving him full of vitamins and everything. And we get out there and we, we go to the restaurant to eat. We get out there first night and go to the restaurant. Now, this was the guy, and you know people like this and you hate them. Um, and, and just so you know, I hate these people too. You're not supposed to hate. <laughs> I know. I'm not perfect. I'm a work in progress. He was, he's the kind of guy that can eat like four steaks, eight cheeseburgers, two pieces of cheesecake, and lose four pounds. He's that guy. Okay. I just gained two pounds by saying the word cheesecake. So, so we get to the restaurant that night, and we're going around. We're ordering, and they get to him, and they said, they said what would you like? And he said, baked potato. And just put it out there, this is not a baked potato guy. Like, if you're, if you're with a group of females and one of them just orders a baked potato, that's fine. But this guy could literally eat a cow by himself. And so he said, baked potato. And so the waitress went on. I was like, hey, man, did you not like the restaurant? He goes, bro, I'm, he said, it's worse than it's ever been. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, the altitude, sick, altitude sickness. I was like, dude, man, I'm sorry. In that moment, like in that moment right there. Now, let me push the pause button and tell you, this does not happen to me a lot. I, it would be cool if it did, but it doesn't. So in that moment, God spoke to me and told me, reach your hand across the table, put it on his stomach, and pray for him to be healed. And I told God to eat rocks. Because, number one, dudes don't touch other dudes on the belly. That's just the rule. Like, I was out in the lobby between the services, and nobody came up and said, Hey, Pastor P, how you doing? By the way, that's not an invitation to do it after this service, because if you do it after this service, I will, I will tase you myself, okay? So I don't have a taser on me, okay? So, so God told me, to, and I was like, God, I, I'm, not, I'm not really comfortable with that. And then 
I informed God about some stuff in the New Testament because I'm sure he hadn't read it in a while. You know, he wrote it. but it's, So I told him, I said, you know, God, you can pray from a distance and heal people because Jesus did that. I mean, there's a couple times Jesus just went, like, in the next town over. Yeah, that guy's healed, and he was healed. So I was saying, and God, here's the thing I love about God. He's patiently persistent. He didn't get mad. He didn't yell. He, could, he didn't hit me with a lightning bolt. He could have. But he was patiently persistent. And, and the more I sat there, the more uncomfortable I got. I got so uncomfortable that my friend who was sick looked at me and said, you all right? I said, well, um, okay, listen. I really feel like God just told me to pray for your stomach. I'm going to put my hand forward. I'm going to put it on your stomach. But I'm, I'm going to go top part of stomach. So don't, I mean, just top part right here. I felt like I needed to clarify, even if it was just for me. And I said, I'm, I'm going to pray for you to, to, to be healed. I said, is that cool with you? He said, dude, at this point, I'll try anything. I was like, all right. He said, well, you going to tell everybody at the table? I'm like, no, nah, I think they'll figure it out. Because there's like 10 of us. And so I reached across the table, put my hand on his stomach. And, and I wish I could tell you I prayed a prayer that just set the room on fire. I wish I could tell you that a light glowed and the angels showed up and, and it, it, y'all, it wasn't any, like if you've ever had me pray for you, you never walked away and went, man, that Pastor P can pray. You're like, man, we need to get somebody else because I, I, I'm not, I'm just not good. I'm not, I'm not that, so I, but I prayed something about God being a healer and all that stuff and it literally lasted maybe 15 seconds and I pulled my hand back, and I didn't feel anything warm or glutton. Like, nothing happened. And he looked at me and said, thanks, man. And I was like, you're welcome. 30 seconds later, he, I've got my hand. He hits me on my hand. He goes, dude, it worked. I said, what worked? He said, your prayer. So, and my prayer for what? He said, you, just, you literally just pray for my stomach to be healed? I was like, he said, It's healed. I was like, well, good for you. He said, no, no, get the waitress back here. I'm getting a steak and a baked potato. It's healed. I was like, oh, my gosh. And we celebrate. Now, I wish, I wish I had that gift. I wish I could just go to the hospital here in Anderson and say, we're going to clear this place out, all right? You healed and you healed and you healed. And you, oh, I know you. We're going to let you stay a little while. But you healed and you healed. I'm just, I'm, I'm a work in progress. But I wish I, could, I wish I could do that. But here's what, I said all that to say this. Number one, that hasn't always happened. Like I've prayed for people to be healed and sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. Most, in fact, most, there's nothing special about my prayers in particular. I'm just telling you, I still believe that Jesus still heals. I believe he heals like we saw him heal in the scriptures. And if we're going to believe what the scriptures say about Jesus, that he is the same yesterday and today and forever, then as we're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if Jesus healed there, then Jesus can heal here. His desire has not changed, yes or no? His Power has not changed, and so if nothing has changed about Jesus and he still desires to heal, maybe the reason he doesn't heal as much is we just don't have the courage to ask him for it. And so today that's what I want to talk about. We're in a series called Unqualified, and last week we talked about how Jesus called Peter to follow him. Remember, it wasn't like 
an irresponsible thing. Andrew introduced him. And then the second time, they had like the Waffle House event at his house. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to it. And then the third time, um, he, he caught the fish. And then he said, follow me. Well, this is right after that catch where Peter looked at Jesus and said, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus didn't correct him. He was like, well, yeah, of course you are. But like sinful people is all I really use. And so come follow me. This is the first event that happened. But before we get to Luke, we got to go through Leviticus. I can feel the excitement (laughs) in the room because some of y'all been like, man, when Pastor P talks about Leviticus, it says my heart. Some of you, some of you quit reading the Bible because of Leviticus. You did. You did. I've had people tell me that. I'm not mad at you. I'm just, I've had people go, I'm going to read it straight through. I'm going to read from Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to read it straight through. And you, you, know, you, you know what stopped you? Leviticus, yeah. Because you get a Leviticus and things get weird. They start killing goats and bulls and pigeons. And you're like, oh, my God. It just get, get, gets nuts. But there's some stuff in Leviticus that's really practical and we need to understand as a backstory. In fact, uh, Leviticus chapter 13 has to do with like skin disease, uh, rashes, and baldness. And look it around. We got some people. You should lean in on this. All right. So I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's a gift. It's a gift. Your head looks beautiful. Um, it's, it's, it's in the Bible. Don't get mad at me. I'm just kind of reading scripture. Here we go. Leviticus 13 says this. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease. Must, now, let me pause real quick. There's, there's skin disease, and then there's serious skin disease. Typically, if it's on you, it's a skin disease. If it's on me, it's a serious skin disease. That's how I interpret it. But the most serious skin disease in this time period and in the time period of Jesus was a condition called leprosy. In fact, it, w- it was so serious that once you, once you got it, you couldn't get rid of it. In fact, once you got it, you knew how you were going to die because the flesh would literally rot, like your, your hand would fall off and your arm would fall off or your leg, like you literally, it was called death by inches because it, it, you could just see like people's faces would fall. It, it, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible disease and an awful way to die. And, and God said, if you, if you get this disease, you must tear your clothing. And that's, that's a sign of remorse. Like, I, this is not how I want to live. And, and many of us have been to that place before. Like, this is not how I want to live. Um, you, you must uh, leave your hair uncombed. Another translation says you must not cover your face. In other words, a lot of times when we do something that embarrasses us, we want to hide our face or, or cover our face in shame. And, and, and God said, nope, can't do that. And um, they must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. Now, how weird would that be if that applied today? Let me pause. Everybody goes, all the Bible applies today. The same. Well, really? Well, if that's true, then when you go to Target this afternoon, <laughs> notice I didn't say Walmart because everybody there is unclean. But if you go to Target this afternoon, <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, y'all get unfiltered. I, I calm it down for the other service. Um, if, and people start yelling unclean. That'd be weird, right? But if you had leprosy, you had to announce unclean. 
Like if you're going to go to the store, you're unclean, unclean. You had to announce. Now, because of social media, it's so cool. Today, you don't have to announce it. Other people will tell other people how unclean you are. But back in the day when we didn't have Twitter to like, like throw people under the bus, you had to yell unclean. Now, can you imagine this life? Like you're walking down the road and you yell unclean and people just scatter. Because see, if they get near you, then they catch what you have. And they don't want to, let's not be mad at the people. They don't want to die. So it's kind of impossible to show compassion to these people. And then this is the worst part. Watch this. As long as the serious disease lasts. By the way, leprosy always lasted. There was no cure. There was no cure. It was hopeless. It was an impossible situation. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean which was a spiritual death sentence for a Jewish person. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. Now, don't, don't miss this. For a leper, there was death on three levels. There was physical death because you knew you were going to die. There was emotional death because, I don't know, hypothetically, can you imagine a place and a nation where a disease took place that caused people to have to seclude and live in isolation? By the way, let me go on record and say this. I said in the last service, and I said I don't care who I offend, and I'll say it again. I think locking down the United States of America for one year was one of the worst decisions that anyone has ever made. And let me tell you, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. People say they did it for our safety. Well, then tell me why the opioid addictions went up. Tell me why the suicide rates went up. Tell me why depression went up. Tell me why anxiety went up. We were not created to live life by ourselves. We were created to do life in community. I think the worst thing about COVID wasn't the sickness that hit people. It was the isolation that caused people to live, to, to, to live in desperation. I'm super thankful that churches finally began to meet. because I don't know about you, but when we started meeting, again as a church, God brought something back alive in me. And I was like, you know what? I don't care what happens. I'm never going to be at a place ever again where I do life by myself. I don't, I, is, so, is anybody with me on this? I hope somebody's with me. I, and then, and then, that's a political statement. Nope. Nope. Because the Republicans and the Democrats agreed on it. Right? I'm just, it's, and libertarians were high, so they didn't, they didn't know. All right? <laughs> They must live in isolation. So, so there, was, there was physical death, there was emotional death, and there was spiritual death. Because if you, were, if you had leprosy, you could not go to the temple. You could not be prayed for. Your sins could not be forgiven. You were essentially damned to hell if you were a leper. There's death on so many levels. Now, with that in mind, that's what we're going to pick up with Peter. Because... Peter is following Jesus. Now, what's the first thing that Jesus did with Peter? You would think he maybe put him in some theology classes because maybe his theology was off. And Peter, we got to get your theology straight. And so, and I'm all about good theology and all that good stuff. But that's not what he did. Or, or maybe he took Peter and put him in some anger management classes because Peter had a temper. I don't know if y'all read about it, but he cussed people out and he cut a guy's ear off one time. And I just, I mean, and isn't that crazy? 
hey, we want you to come on staff. What's your previous experience? Um, well, I, I cussed some people out and I cut a guy's ears off. You're hired. <laughs> Lead pastor. That's what Peter was. He preached on the day of Pentecost. Isn't it funny how God will take the most jacked up people and go, yeah, I can use that. I can use that. Use that right there. Okay, so stay, so so the first thing he does, it, it wasn't put him in an anger management class. He didn't start a behavior modification program. He just said, follow me. And the, notice the first thing that happens as Peter follows Jesus. Luke chapter 5, very next, very next verse from last week. In, in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. Not, not just a... Not just a case of leprosy, like an advance case. So it wasn't just that he was hopeless, he was really hopeless. Now, here's what's cool about being in ministry. I'm telling you, somebody needs to follow me around one week with a camera crew because I don't have normal conversations and I meet some really unique people. <laughs> in the lobby one time, I walked up to a guy. He's arm and sling. This is a true story. How arm and sling? I said, how you doing? He said, I'm not doing good. Pretty, pretty good. Pastor Pete got my, got my arm and sling. I was like, I can, I mean, I'm not blind. I've got the arm and sling. I didn't say that. I just thought that. I said, I, 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 why, what happened? He said, you don't want to know. <laughs> well, when somebody says that, for me, like, I really want to know. So, like, no, man. I mean, like, why is your arm? Like, why is your arm? Like, what happened? Because I knew he rode motorcycles. I said, you, you riding your motorcycle, right? He goes, no. Mm-mm. I said, well, what happened? He said, I got shot. Okay. Uh, I mean, sorry. I, and, and I noticed he had, like, a patch right here on his face, like a, a piece of cloth right here, but with the medical tape on it. And I was like, uh happened to your your face he said well that's 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 another bullet it it grazed my face okay and I noticed he had a patch on his shoulder too I was like let me let me guess about the patch on the shoulder so he said yeah it's a through and through it just went straight through I said okay I said um when when did all this happen he said last night I'm like, okay. Now, I started stepping away. And it wasn't that I was, I was just scared the person was going to show up because obviously whoever was shooting at this guy couldn't hit him. Like, it was a horrible shot, so maybe they're going to finish him off at church. I don't know. And I said, I said, uh, did somebody break in your house? He said, no, nah, we went fighting over a girl. I was like, oh, God. So I walked away from that conversation just cackling a little bit. You say, why? This is a serious situation. That's not what I was laughing at. I was laughing at the fact that we had created an environment where a man who had been in a shootout the night before felt like it was okay for him to show up the next day. How great is it to create? Like, I love it. We talked to him about maybe not being as trigger happy or whatever, but but I thought that was so cool because in ministry, we get to meet some unique people, which is what Jesus is showing Peter right here. 
they're walking down the road, and, 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 and all of a sudden, because of what we just read in Leviticus, they hear these words, unclean, unclean. And Peter looks at Jesus like, hey, we, I, we need to, that's, that's, that's Larry, Larry the leper, you know, Larry, leper. I mean, he's got an advanced case of leprosy. I mean, I, somebody went to shake his hand and just fell off. Like, it's an advanced case of leprosy. The guy's falling apart. Literally, he's falling apart. And um, we're supposed to run from lepers. And so we need to. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of sure, and this is just me just kind of thinking about how Jesus dealt with things. I'm sure Jesus just looked at Peter and smiled and said, let's, let's keep going. Uncle, this, this man had an advanced case of leprosy. He was completely hopeless. I would be willing to bet in this service that there's somebody in the exact frame of mind as the leper was in. You feel completely hopeless. Maybe you have a physical problem. You've been diagnosed with cancer or some other disease and, and you've been told, you'll have, this is who you are and this is, maybe it's an emotional thing. Maybe you wrestle with anxiety or depression or even suicidal thoughts. And you've been told that's who you are and that's what you're going to be like and that's why you're, you're going to wrestle with those things all your life and you can never change it. Maybe you, you, you feel spiritually sick. Like you're so separated from God. You used to be closer than you are right now and something happened and you're just not where you wish you could be. And, and, and you've been, you, you, the, I think the worst thing about being a leper would be being labeled a leper. Because the lepers were told that's who you are and that's all you will ever be. And one of the main problems that we have today one of the main reasons we won't seek healing is because we've accepted the label that someone else placed on us. And it keeps us in a state of sickness. So, so we know about this guy. He's got an advanced case of leprosy. And then, and then this happens. And then this blew my mind when I saw it in preparation for this. I've never seen this. It's been, I, love, I love it when God does this. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Just a curiosity question. How many of you have ever prayed a prayer and in the prayer... You made a deal with God. God, if you will do this, I will do this. Raise your hands. Come on. Mm -hmm. If you didn't have your hand raised, you're, you're a liar. <laughs> or you're way too godly to be here. I just, I just tell you that. I did. I made a deal with God. I, I did the last time is when I bought a lottery ticket. <clears throat> Y'all think I, I actually didn't buy a lottery ticket. I bought seven because seven is the perfect number, right? And I just figured if God was going to bless something, and I told God, God, if you'll let me win the lottery, I do. Y'all think I'm making this up. God, if you'll let me win the lottery, if I win it, I give half of it to the church, 
and I just take the rest and put it with the other 40 million I already got. And I just kind of live it, I like to live it up, live it up. If you're brand new, don't worry about it. I ain't got 40 million. Anyway, so, so, so I, I, I've done that and you've done that. There are people in this, in this service, you prayed the deal, make God, if you will, God, if you'll just let me get sober. God, if you just if you just let me get sober, I'll never drink again. And that lasts for like two weeks. I mean, you were committed for two weeks, right? God, if you'll let me pass this test that I did not study for and don't even know what class this is. But God, if you'll let me pass the test, God, I promise you I'll study next time. And you didn't, but you, we've all done those prayers, right? Here's what, I, here's what blew me away about the prayer of the leper in this passage. It's the very first word he said. When he walked up to Jesus, the very first word that came out of his mouth was, say this on three, one, two, three, Lord. Don't miss that. He made a declaration before he went for the ask. In other words, this is what he's saying. Let me go ahead and get this out of the way. You are Lord. Now, I'm about to ask you to heal me. And if you heal me, that's great. You are Lord. But if you don't heal me, you're still Lord. He made, he made the declaration to Jesus, this is who you are, before he asked for a thing. And I don't know about you. But many times in my own life, I've questioned the lordship of Jesus because he did not do what I was asking him to do. And as I'm growing in my faith, I'm learning to approach him with, listen, you are king, you are lord, you reign over everyone and everything, and I'm going to ask you for this in my life, and if you do it, your king and your Lord, and you reign over everything. And if you don't do it, you're still king and you're still Lord and you still reign over everything. I love the leper's approach. He declared, this is who you are. Now I'm going to ask. I know, I wonder if he's trying to deal with that lordship issue in somebody's life today. See, because anybody can follow Jesus when he does a miracle. But he makes this declaration before a miracle ever takes place. That's strong. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Notice that declaration? It went like, have you ever, have you ever been around somebody that gets crazy when they pray? They're completely normal when you're talking to them. But when they, when they pray, they yell at God like he's deaf. They're like, dear Jesus. And you're like, did God go deaf? Like, what's happening right now? And they start, they, and, and, and have you ever been around one of those people that ask, can they pray for you? And 17 minutes later, you're like, okay. God, I'm going to pray right now. Strike me with lightning because this, I'm dying. Have you ever been around that? See, we think sometimes that we got to yell or scream or we got to have the magic formula. I've seen so many people on TV going, this is the prayer and this is the formula and you got to do it this way and sow your seed of $32 into my ministry or whatever. Like We've all seen it. Notice how simple this is. All he said was, if you're willing, you, you can heal me 
and make me clean. He called him Lord. Then he said, you know what? I believe you can heal me. Now, don't miss this. He had an advanced case of leprosy. So he had every reason in the world to have no hope. But there was something about coming in the presence of Jesus that absolutely changed his posture. And he had hope for the very first time in his life. And he said, there's something about you. I just know, Jesus, if you want it. Now, this prayer right here, it takes less than 15 seconds. Jesus, if this is what you want, I know you can do this in my life. And that's what I'm praying that somebody here today, that we can get to that place. Jesus, you know what? I know you can heal me. I know you can do the supernatural in my life. Now, this is what happens. This is so crazy. He asked Jesus to do what to him? He asked him to what? Heal him. He asked him to heal him. But then Jesus reached out and touched him. Now, when this happened, let me make you a promise. Peter was like, ooh. It's just, because there's some of us in this room, all of us have gross things that we don't like to talk about or touch, don't we? Gross things. I want to tell you all one of the best things that happened about COVID. I'm going to tell you one of the best conditions is men, more men are fist bumping now than shaking hands. Have you all noticed that? Now, I like to shake a man's hand. My daddy, he's a southern gentleman. He He taught me shake a man's hand. And when you shake his hand, you try to break his hand. That's, that's, that's a southern handshake. If you're not trying to break my hand, listen, I, I will judge a man by his handshake. Don't, don't, I will. But, but one of the grossest things to me personally is, is meeting the man with sweaty hands. Sweaty hand man. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sweaty hand man. And it's, not, it's just like, hey, how you doing? Oh, my God! <laughs> and, and, kind of, and there's nothing like you, you are bathing in Purell afterwards. Like you pour a whole bottle on your hand, right? It's, it's gross. Would you agree? So, so the, especially, and, and the man with like, like soggy wet hands is especially bad after they came out of the bathroom because you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. And so... So there's just some things that are like, oh, I'm not going to touch that. Like if, like if a baby kind of spits up, you're like, okay, here, like you don't want to touch. The leper, the leper, nobody had, to, in fact, when he walked into town, they ran. And Jesus does what he didn't ask. See, here's the cool thing about Jesus. When we ask him for something, he always has more in mind. See, it never crossed this leper's mind that Jesus would want to touch him because nobody wanted to touch him. And, by the way, when you touched a leper, you became unclean, which is showing Peter, Jesus is showing Peter, I'm not worried about my reputation. I want lepers to know that even though they're not welcome in the temple, they are welcome with me. And when I started thinking about that this week, I was like, man, that's, that's what I want our church to be like. A people that, a place for people that have not been welcomed by religion for one reason or another.
but they can walk in this place and feel like they're at home. Because if Jesus was willing to touch the untouchable, then we've got to be a church that opens our arms and says, you know, whoever walks in these doors, we're just glad you're here. Aren't you excited about that, man? I'm excited. Jesus reached out and touched the leper. Jesus always has more in store than, than we have in store. Jesus wanted to do more in his life. See, 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 he wanted physical healing, but Jesus wanted to do more. And, and, and he said, I am willing. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. This whole interaction took less than two minutes. It's crazy, isn't it? And it affected Peter for the rest of his life. Now, this is, this, is, this is just how I've seen Jesus work. Sometimes he heals instantly, and I've seen him do it. The story I shared at the beginning of the service was one example, but I've seen Jesus literally heal people in the moment. I've seen miracles take place. I, I've seen it with my own eyes, and many of you have too. And then I've seen Jesus heal gradually. Sometimes he heals instantly, and sometimes he heals gradually. A good example of that is about five years ago now, we're coming up on five years, my life completely fell apart in a very public way. And when I tell you that my depression and my anxiety were maxed out, I had never been that depressed, and I had never felt that anxious. And I can remember in June and July of 2016, begging God to take away my depression and to take away my anxiety. And I would wake up the next morning, and it would still be there. And it was so frustrating because I knew he could do it, and he didn't do it. Here I am five years later. I don't know when he did it. I just, I just feel like he wanted me to stay super connected to him through that process. And as I stayed connected, I hadn't had a panic attack in over six months. I hadn't had a suicidal thought in years. I'm the, somebody met me in the lobby today, and they said this, and I got choked up. They said, happy really does look good on you. Let me, but let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I didn't do that. Jesus did that. I can't, put, I can't tell you the date he did it. I can just tell you that he did it. I can just tell you that I, I love life. I can tell you I've never loved life this much. I can tell you I've never felt this alive in my life. Jesus healed me. And the reason he heals us gradually is so we'll stay connected to him through the process. And then sometimes, sometimes he doesn't do what we ask him to do. He doesn't. Because he's got a bigger picture in mind. My mother had cancer. I asked Jesus to heal her. He chose to take her home. He healed her. Just in his way, not mine. My father had Alzheimer's. I prayed for God to heal him. God healed him. But he healed him by taking him home. Not not, not my way, but his way. Today, my mom and dad, they, they, they are fine. They are, they are good. 
even though God didn't do what I asked him to do. I'm just saying at the end of the day, don't let the fear that God might not heal you immediately stop you from asking to be healed. Because he might. In a few minutes, we're going to do an invitation. And some of you might ask him for healing, and you're going to walk out these doors, and he's going to heal you. He's going to heal you right here today. It's going, it's going to happen. There's not a doubt in my mind. For some people, he's going to start the healing process. I don't know when, but three to five years from now, you're going to look back on this service and go, because right now, you think I'm full of it. And that's fine. In five years, you won't, because God's going to heal you in his time, not ours. And for some of us, he's got a different plan. Don't let it stop you. Because here's the cool thing about the touch of Jesus. When Jesus touched this man, you could call him anything you wanted to call him. But you couldn't call him a leper. Because it used to be true about him. But it's not true anymore. Instead of a leper, he was a man that got touched by Jesus. What would happen? If we refuse to let other people identify us, what would happen if we stopped saying, I'm an addict, and we started saying, I'm a child of God? I might struggle with addiction, but I'm not an addict. I'm a child of God. What would happen if we started saying, if we stopped saying, I'm depressed, and we started saying, I am a child of God that wrestles with depression? Why in the world do we name our sin and then identify ourselves by our sin and give it power over us rather than saying, I'm a child of God? I matter to Jesus. Jesus lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me, and you're not going to label me anxious. You're not going to label me depressed. You're not going to label me an addict. I'm a child of God. And I'm going out of this one way or another. Either immediately or eventually, Jesus is going to bring me out. This impacted Peter on a, on a deep level. Peter saw this. He was blown away. This is why later on in the New Testament, he would write a couple books. And he said this, by his wounds, you are healed. By his wounds. Notice this. I want you to see this. I want you to see this. You know when this popped out to me, what I'm about to share with you? While I was preaching the last message, God showed it to me. That's how fresh it is. This is super fresh bread. He said, by his wounds, you are healed. He did not say, by your works, you are healed. Not by your works, but by his wounds. Was the, the leper wasn't a good person. He wasn't involved in regular worship. He was cursed seemingly by God in the world. And he just showed up. See, there's some people here today, God, I feel this so strong. I feel this so strong. There's somebody here today, and let me tell you what you're thinking. You're thinking, I can't ask God to heal me because I'm just not in a good place right now spiritually. 
I don't pray. I don't read my Bible. This is the first time I've been to church in forever. I, there's, there's nothing good about me. Well, if that's you, if that's you, and I know you're here, it's not your works, it's his wounds. It's not your works, it's his wounds. All you've got to do to start the healing process in your life is approach him like the leper and say, Lord, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, where'd the idea come from in regards to all this? It, I've been thinking about it and writing about it for months now, but a few weeks ago, a song that I heard hit me. And when I say it hit me, the first time I heard it, I couldn't stop crying, and it messes me up every time. Acknowledging the fact that God is a healer and God is strong, there's nothing that he can't do, that we can still believe in miracles, that it's not something that happened just in the scripture, it can happen in this place today. We've seen, I've, I've personally in my life seen people healed that other people have given up on. You might be here today and other people have given up on you. God has not given up on you. So before we do an invitation today, I wanted us to sing the song. Super easy to pick up on. And it's more than a song. It's a declaration of God. We believe there's nothing. There's nothing impossible for you. There's nothing you can't do. We know you've healed other people. And we we believe you can heal us. So would you stand with me and pray? Father, I ask you right now in the name of Jesus, as we get ready to sing this song, that you would fill us with the faith that we need, not just to sing this song, but to believe this song, to believe, God, that you can do miracles. And Jesus, I pray that you would speak to so many of us today that just need to be healed. We ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Jesus, we make that declaration right now that you are too good to not believe. God, we, we are so guilty of believing the miracles in the scriptures and believing the miracles for other people, but not believing in the miracles that you want to do in our lives. And so right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. Today, somebody here needs a miracle. Maybe it's physically. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe it's spiritually. You need God to do a miracle. Maybe up until today, you didn't even think it was possible. But today, you know, you know, you know, you need Jesus to do that miracle in your life. If that's you, today, I'm not going to ask you to raise a hand. Today, I'm not going to ask you to fill out a card. Today, we're going old school. Today, I'm going to ask you to step out of your aisle. I'm going to ask you to walk down front like an old-fashioned altar call to show
show, listen, this is you taking that step of faith, saying, Jesus, I believe you're Lord, and I believe you can do a miracle, and I'm going to ask you to do it today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, let's go right now. You step out and you come forward. Don't look up and survey and see if anybody else is coming. You, If God spoke to you, you know what that miracle is. You know what that need is. You know what that desire is. Somebody needs to get set free of suicidal thoughts today. You need to come forward. Somebody needs to get set free of an addiction today. Somebody has back pain right now need to be healed of that back pain. Somebody's been diagnosed with a doctor. You've been told your time is limited. You need to come forward right now. Somebody in this room has let your identity fall into another place and you haven't found your identity in Christ. Right now, you need to come forward. Somebody here today, you're a couple. You're a couple and and your marriage is barely hanging on. Y'all need to come forward today. You need to come forward today because God can heal God can heal that marriage. God can heal. God can restore. God can do miracles. Ask Him for it today. Be filled with the courage to ask Him. Ask Him for the impossible. You've been told it was impossible. I serve a God who takes the impossible and makes it happen. He turned a blood-stained cross into an empty tomb. He can take our situations and make it into something more glorious than we can ever imagine. People are still responding, so I just want to offer that you just come. We're going to pray as a church. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. down front and you need a miracle in your life in just a second, I'm going to ask you just to say that out loud to God. What miracle do you need? What, what miracle are you trusting Him and believing Him for today? I want you to say it out loud in just a second. For everybody else in the room, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer, if you can join us today in agreement, would you just stretch out your hands towards these people that have came down and asked for healing? Just stretch out your hands right now. Stretch out your hands because there's power in agreement and we're going to believe that God is a God who heals, that God is a God who restores them. That God is a God who wants to do miracles in the lives of the people who stepped out had the courage to come forward and ask in boldness that God would heal them. So let's, if you are, if you came forward, just, just tell him right now, just say it out loud what you need. Just tell him out loud. Just say it out loud. God, I need this. You just tell him out loud. Tell him right now what you're asking for. Tell him right now what you're asking for. God, we know that you have heard these prayers. We know that you're stronger than any suffering that, that we're going through. We God, we know you're greater than any obstacle that we're facing. We know that your word is greater than any diagnosis that has been spoken over us, that you have the power to break addiction, that you have the power to break depression, that you have the power to break anxiety. God, that you have the power to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. And so Jesus, right now in this place, with these precious people, your people, the people you have called by name, God, I pray for healing.
God, I pray for restoration. I pray for hope. I pray, God, that somebody can look back on this day and say, that's the day he did it. That's the day he did the work. That's the day he started the work. Because, Jesus, we know that you are greater and that you are stronger and that you are able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. So, Jesus, I pray that right now. I ask you for miracles for every person in Jesus' name. And everybody that agreed with this said, amen, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? I believe God does miracles. I believe God does miracles. And I believe that we're going to hear stories from today that absolutely blow us away. Thank God that we have a church that still believes that Jesus heals people and changes lives. Thank you so much for coming. We love you so much. We can't wait to see you next week. God bless. Y'all have a great week.